All right, you can be seated. All right, uh, you don't have to shout out your answer, but I mean, just I need some head nods to know who are the honest people in the room and who've walked with God a little bit. Um, but nod your head with me if you've had the time where you're like, God, where the freak are you right now? Like, okay, I, I got some people who know. Like, like, there's some moments where it's like, God, I'm doing the things. I'm following the rules. I'm trying to do the stuff. But this sucks. Like, this is hard. This is wrenching my heart. This should not, it doesn't feel like it should be like this. Now, I want to start there because I want to describe a time, well, the, really the first time I felt like this in my life, and if I didn't start with that, you'd be like, all right, Paul, stop bragging about yourself. But I want to you know the end of the spot before we start the spot, because when I first became a Christian, like, I, I came from, like, I had some broken stuff in my life. And when I became a Christian, when I got to be in worship with other believers, I'm not a real emotional guy. Like, you'll find it when I'm not up here and not like God's gift isn't on display of, like, of speaking, I'm, I'm pretty boring. Like, you'll learn that quick as you talk to me in between the services. You're like, okay, yeah, he really is. Um, I'm not real emotional. But when I would get into worship of God, like, like, it, like it would move my heart. Like it was my new drug. It was my new addiction. It was this place where it's like I felt the presence of God. And there was times I would cry and I did not cry about stuff. And I would get into worship with other believers and, and the focus and the glory would be on Christ, not on anybody else. I remember like my worship pastor, he's this kind of geeky older dude. And like when he got into it, he'd do this little dance across stage. And it, like it wasn't the coolness factor that got us there. It was that our hearts were turned towards God. And I like lived for that. And there was one morning and, and there wasn't anything else that I, like I'm chasing after God. I'm reading scripture on my own as a 17 year old. Like, I, I asked my mom, I was like, Mom, will you buy me a Bible? And I'm reading it. And I got this New King James Version Bible because I didn't know any better. And I'm reading the these and thous and trying to study and understand. And I'm seeking after Jesus. And there's this one morning where I am stepping into the church where I get refreshed. And I enter into praise and worship. And I'm doing my part and lifting my hands and singing to God. And there's a sensation in my head and my heart of where's the emotional kick? Like, God, where did you go? Like, I'm not feeling the drug that you always give me here. I'm not feeling the sensation, the emotion. Like, I still know that you're there, and I still can sense that you're here and that you're hearing me, and I haven't committed some sort of grievous sin that you're taking something away from me. Like, God, where are you? What are you doing? And I, I almost immediately just felt this answer from God of saying, I have to teach you to know me differently. You can't depend upon just emotion. And my internal sensation is, that sucks. I really liked this part. And there came a time later where a lot of that came back. But God wanted me to learn that following him isn't always feeling good. And I think that that concept is not held closely to the hearts of Christians in America. That if we're following God, everything should be good. Everything should be favor. You name it and you claim it and you possess it. And if you pray with enough faith, that Ferrari will appear in your driveway with no debt. 
And that is what God wants for you. But experience and honesty will quickly show you that that is just not how your heavenly father works. And if, if it's your first Sunday, I want to catch you up, or if I need to remind you, you missed a couple, we're in a series called The Story, and we are working through, in 31 weeks, the entire story of Scripture in chronological order. And there in the lobby, there's books. If you don't have one, I'd love to get one in your hands after the service so you can read along, and we're reading one chapter of the book, which covers many chapters of Scripture each week. Last week was a really important message. I'm not like pushing our podcast, but if you didn't hear last week's message about how the promise and the law correspond and then lead us towards Christ, you need that lesson in your life. But at this point, God has moved and he he moved through one person. He said, I am going to bless all nations through you. And he gave a promise that would become the gospel that all nations would be blessed through the seed of Abraham. And, And then we have the law that is given, and it's this covenant between Israel and God that if you follow these, I will bless you in this way. If you depart from me, I will discipline you. They're given that, and they immediately start to break it. And then the sense to start moving to the promised land. And they're given this promise, all right? This nation this is of Israel that was slaves, they're given this promise that you will have a land that has plenty, that has everything that you need. It's flowing with milk and honey. It has all of those things. And they said, that sounds great. Let's go there. And God says, great. The path there is through the wilderness. And the wilderness, the wilderness is that place where it's like, I was promised great things. I was promised plenty. And here there is lack. Here there's not enough. Here, we can't find water. Here, we're eating nothing. Oh, no, now we have manna. Okay, now we just have quail. And there's complaints, and there's problems. And that's where we're going to pick up the passage in Exodus chapter 16. We'll put this on the screen as I read it, starting at verse 2. It says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat with pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out here into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they follow my instructions. Now I want you to call back to memory, and even if you weren't here for the last few weeks' messages, you remember the story of God bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. Like, it's incredible. They've made tons of movies out of it because the storyline is just amazing. God sees the injustice of slavery happening. He raises up a leader through incredibly difficult circumstances. He, he sends these incredible plagues that each plague is an attack on the Egyptian, Egyptian false gods and God shows his power in a mighty way. And then really it reaches this crescendo where once again Egypt says, ah, oh, we're gonna come destroy you and they're stuck against the sea and God parts the Red Sea. The Israelites go through his dry ground and then the sea closes back up and swallows up the Egyptian armies. It is like this amazing moment. There is singing There is dancing. God's power is on display. And then now we're in the wilderness. 
And I think it's easy for you and me on this side of the writing to look at some of these interactions and be like, what whiny little babies. Like they saw the, the hand of God move. Like it's part of an entire sea. How are you going to question someone who, in part, who parted an entire sea for you? What if I sit down with your spouse and act them, ask them about how you act when you get hungry? I know some of y'all don't go to the 11 o'clock service just because you don't want to be late for lunch. Like Paul preaches long sometimes and I get hungry about 12 o'clock. I start acting a fool in the parking lot. And our hunger doesn't hardly compare to the hunger that you feel when you're in the wilderness and there's just no food around. I'm not talking about food you don't like. I'm saying no food. We really don't think too much about thirst and lack of water, but in these interactions that we read about this week, we see the people complaining. And it's not just that they were thirsty and they wanted like an ice cold beer or a soda or something specific like that. They just wanted water for themselves and their children. And so I want to make sure that we digest this properly. That the things that they wanted were rational things. And it was God who led them out into a place where they had lack of these things. Why would God lead them to a place that was difficult? And this is where we need to start. Because God rescued them from slavery and he removed the shackles of oppression from them. But the minds that came with him on the way to the promised land still were possessed by slavery mentalities. Still possessed by mentalities that were controlled by fear of lack. And God said, there's a work in your character that I need to do before we get to the promised land. And even at the provision of food, which I want to tell you, God wanted them to cry out for food because he wanted them to experience the answer that your heavenly father loves you and knows you so well and he is so powerful. He will make bread fall from heaven on a daily basis for you. I'm not going to just give you enough for the journey and you carry it with you every single day. You will trust me and you will find exactly what you need. But God was working out of them a slave mentality that was going to take years. A journey that should have taken eight days ended up taking them 40 years. And so I'm going to give you a couple different things. I'm going to give you four things about freedom and what it, what it doesn't always possess. And then I'm going to give you three statements for your consideration today. The first thing about freedom is that People can be free but not formed. Like their character can be unformed. Someone can get their freedom. Someone can be a Christian and they can be in Christ and, and they are legitimately a follower of Christ, but their character is not yet formed yet. And so you will see someone who claims the name of Christ, but their lifestyle is not lining up yet. And that's really what the Israelites were at this point. They absolutely believed that God was there. They absolutely believed that God was powerful. They absolutely believed that God cared about them because they could see his hand out at work. But their character was not formed in a way that it would apply that truth to their given situation needs. That truth was not yet applied to their character in a way that said, even in this, God will still be good. 
they began to romanticize, man, let's just go back to the old days, the old ways. Those pots of stew in Egypt were pretty good. Sure, I was someone's slave. Sure, I had to work for someone else all day and I didn't have freedom. And this is unformed character. Formed character should be able to look at a situation and frame it up appropriately and say, if God is allowing this in my life for some reason, just like Joseph, someone might send this in my life to try to destroy me. Satan might send this into my life to try to take down my faith. But whatever is sent into my life, God can take it and use it for good. And so formed character looks like this in your life, that you can look at a situation and say, this is terrible, but God can use even this. This is terrible, but we can trust that God is going to provide even while we walk through this. And someone who has walked with Christ, let let me fix that. I was going to say someone who has walked with Christ for decades can, can parse this out appropriately, but the thing is, just like the people you knew in high school, some people, they flunk ninth grade, and they don't get to go to 10th grade. They have to repeat that lesson. Some people have walked with Christ for decades, but they're still on their freshman year lessons. But some people who've walked with Christ for decades, they've learned the lesson, they've moved to the next next degree, the next postgraduate degree, and they understand that when you walk through difficulty, God has a reason for the season. And even here in this passage where he says, I'm going to send them bread, and it's going to operate like a test. It's going to show me about their character, and it's going to show them about their character. Israelites didn't do real well on the test. Many of them collected more than they needed, and it turned into maggots. Their character wasn't formed yet. They can be free but not formed. They can be free but not informed. They knew some things about God, but they didn't know enough yet. And and I want to tell you, you need to grow your understanding about the character and the nature of God, the, the nature of his provision. And if you've been reading along with us, I believe that one of the things that probably pops off the page as you read about the wondering, you're like, man, God called them into an incredibly difficult situation. God didn't just call them into health, wealth, and prosperity. God called them to struggle and through struggle. And so maybe God hasn't abandoned me yet. If I'm in a difficult place, then maybe God likes to be at work in these places of struggle in my life. And it it should reaffirm some things that God hasn't departed me. Just for me as as a new Christian, it was a question that did pop into my mind for a second of did I do something, say something, treat someone in a certain way that is making God take this favor away from me? And quickly I understood and knew, no, that's not what it is. God's teaching me in struggle. But if you don't have that information in your mind that God is gonna allow you to walk through difficulty then you're not going to be able to parse that situation properly. You're not going to be able to frame it properly. You're not going to be able to see it properly. And, I mean, Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow him, then you need to take up the cross and follow him. The Apostle Paul, I mean, he accounts an entire chapter in the New Testament where he's just talking about all the struggles and all the beatings and all the difficult things he's gone through in following Christ. And you have to add this knowledge to your life because there's part of our internal voice that wants to say, everybody else gets to struggle, but I just get sunny days and rainbows. But that's not how it's going to work. And I want to affirm to you, I want to encourage you that if God is forming you now 
for something that requires difficulty, it's because he has an incredible promise on the other end. That's what was happening with Israel. God has an incredible promise, but before he can put them in a position where they have to fight against other people for the promise, first he has to work out the internal fight inside of them. I mean, do you see this? Like God's preparing them to get their faith to a place that they will understand when God says, just march around the walls of the fortified city. Don't fight it. Don't try to tear them down. Don't try to burn them down. Just march around it. And God is going to do the rest. God had to develop their faith to get them to that point. And there's internal things that he's forming in them in the wilderness. The time in the wilderness is not wasted. And the time in your struggle will not be wasted either. These people, they were free, but they were not yet grateful. Oh God, just give us any food. Oh God, we're sick of manna. Oh God, just give us meat. Oh, we're sick of quail. I remember many different instances, but I'll pick on this one because I know it applies with so many people. For most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, there is a dream in our heart of having children at some earlier point in our life. And then we had children. (laughs) And scripture is clear, children are a blessing from the Lord. Sometimes blessings feels like, feel like burdens. And the thing that we prayed for can be something that just aggravates the life out of us. In moments. And believe me, kids, man, we, we love you guys. We would give all of us for you. But you'll understand one day. And you'll look at your mom and dad differently one day when you have your own creature that doesn't listen to you. But so often, it's like we lose sight of how badly we wanted this blessing from God. Whether it be a job, which you remember praying for a job and then feeling about your job differently. A spouse. And we need to be able to mentally look at things the right way. Otherwise, we can have that slavery mentality where it's just, it's too simple. It's hard right now, so I don't want it. I want to go back to what I had before. Marriage is hard right now. I want to go back to being single. When you're single, it was, a, it was a very clear cry from your heart and a godly desire that you wanted to be married. And now that you have it, now that it's work, and you thought that it just, just should come easy, you thought that parenting should just come easy, you just thought that work should be just checking your social media and the local news and whatever else is your scroll habit, and someone's asking you to do something that's difficult, we begin to describe a blessing as a burden. And I want to tell you, as lovingly as I can as your pastor. That's immaturity. God calls you through difficult things. The reason that he's doing it is because he's forming in you something that is strong enough to sustain the blessing that would crush a weaker character. There are blessings, you've seen it sometimes, where someone gets a hold of something that's a blessing and it's more than they can bear. You've seen wealth destroy relationships and families. You've seen success ruin people before. There's blessings that when they got it before they formed the character, it creates all kinds of problems. And so I wanna tell you that it's even in God's mercy that he walks you through difficulty before he gives you the dream that he's placed on your heart. 
difficulty is connected to mercy sometimes. And it's immaturity that only sees the difficulty. It's maturity that sees and and can trust. That's the fourth thing. It is free but not trusting. Free but not trusting. It's like, will the manna come back tomorrow? I don't know. I should just collect more even though Moses told us not to. Even though God spoke to him and said not to. I'm just going to do it my own way. I'm going to take my own shortcut. I'm going to avert God's way and I'm going to do it my way because I am so wise. Work out so well. I'm just preaching to myself on that one, I guess. It's easy to fall into these things. When God gives us a dream, I know there's that internal voice in our pride that says, well, of course God wants to give me great things because I'm me. And I want to tell you, God does want to give you great things because he is him. But in preparation for the reception of those things, there is a work that he has to do in your mind and your heart. And it might sting a little. But oh, is it worth it? The wilderness that they had to go through on the way to the promised land, the length of time before they got to inherit it, it was extended because they would not learn the lessons that God was giving them. And this principle you still see it at work in the lives of believers today. You've still felt it at work in your life because God will continue to ask the question, will you trust me with this yet? Will you trust me with this yet? And our unformed character continues to say, no, God, I've got to do it my way because there may not be enough. I might be alone. Other people might not respond well to me if I do it your way. And that is an issue of trust. It is a description that you could give to a slave mentality that is immature that God was trying to break out of the people of Israel as as they prepared them for what's ahead. And so what does maturity look like? Maturity looks like beginning to form and say, no matter the situation, I know God is good and I know that I can trust him and so I will walk in his ways. The New Testament calls our life to be conformed to the pattern that Christ set for living. So is our life looking more like Christ as we look across these last few months? Am I letting the fruits of the Spirit grow out of me in the last few months? Am I trusting God with the way that I live? Because those are the things that will begin to happen in my life if I'm living for him. In Philippians chapter 2, this is in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Philippi. And he's describing this maturity issue that he saw coming up. He said, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In church, it's easy to you know, do the God thing. But when the church leader and the church people are away, what does your character formation look like? And if you're asking yourself, why isn't God opening up this door for me that I feel like he wants to be open for me? What is your spiritual life looking like? Because you can fool me and you can fool the people around you, but you cannot fool your heavenly father. He knows right where your heart is and how it is. And because he is a loving and good heavenly father, he's not going to open those doors until you have the the formed character to sustain the weight of that blessing. God wanted them. He wanted the Israelites to move from Egypt to the promised land. But he had to do laps with them in the wilderness because they wouldn't learn these lessons. And in fact, it, it got to this crescendo point and I, 
I'm going to skip a little bit in my notes. We're going to go to the, the passage in Numbers chapter 13, starting at verse 27. You can put this up on the screen. It, this is when they're, they're finally getting there to the edge of the land. And you read about this this week where they're, they're going in and they're sending in spies to spy out the land and see what it looks like. This is finally the land that God promised them. They've arrived. They're going to have to fight some fights. They're going to apply the lessons that they've learned in the wilderness about trusting God. And God is going to show up in miraculous ways. And this is how it went. This was the report that they gave back to Moses after they spied out the land. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, and a land flowing with milk and honey, and here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the the, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites, they live in Negev, and the Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast in the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood there before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We certainly can conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge. Now, Caleb and Joshua brought back the report that was accurate. It's flowing with milk and honey, and it is fortified, and there are big people who live there, but we can do this. Let's go at once and conquer it. And then the other 10 spies that were probably older, they were probably wiser, they were probably better at math, they were probably better at at military strategy. They looked at this, and they applied their logic to the situation, and they said, this is impossible. And Caleb and Joshua are applying their faith and saying, you look back to what God has done. Can't you see the the lessons that we learned in the wilderness that are applied here? God is going to show up. And what happened in the next chapter is the people of Israelites started to kind of complain. They said, let's elect leaders. Let's choose some leaders that will lead us back to Egypt and let's go back to slavery. Because the risk is too great. The work has been too hard And we just can't do it. Band, if you guys will come out, I'm going to begin to wrap this up. I'm going to give you three quick things. When you're going through difficulty on the way to God's promise, number one, you aren't being punished, you're being prepared. You're being prepared. There are lessons that you're supposed to learn and apply to the things that are ahead of you. And you need to look at your pain as preparation. Number two, you cannot wait out what you have been called to work through. You can see that as some of the spies who were supposed to work through these issues before, once they were given in a situation to advance, the, the issues came right back up and then the people of God went right back into the wilderness. And in fact, what, what scripture tells us is that all of the people who rejected the opportunity, God said, you will never enter into the land. It will be the next generation. And then the third thing, and this is what I want you to contemplate really as we leave this message today. Whatever consumes your mind controls your life. You can look at the obstacles 
And you can say, there's just no way that this could ever come together. There's no way that God could ever heal this. There's no way that God could ever use this. And you can take that, that defeated mentality, the mentality that God looked at the generation and said, this is, this is something we need to move out of you because you need to understand that you are conquerors. You're more than conquerors. You need to understand that I am going to fight for you. You need to understand that I'm going to provide for you not just once, but on a daily basis. And the narrative that you allow to replay in your mind over and over is the narrative screaming to you, God has this, God has this, God has this. Or is the narrative screaming to you, it's never going to work, it's never going to work, it's never going to work. And there's a battle that you have to be prepared to fight internally where you speak the truth of the word of God over all of the fears that would try to hold you captive. All of the fears that would try to chain you up to say, I can't try, I can't grow, I can't serve, I can't speak, I can't do the things of God. You have to speak back to that narrative and say, I'm not a slave to fear, but I am a child of God. I am not my past, but I'm gonna be everything that God has called me to be. And everything that I was is going to give way to everything that the Spirit of God says I will be. Peace and patience and kindness and goodness is going to replace destruction and abuse because Christ is in the mix now, because God is in the situation. So I won't just look at what is worldly. I'm going to close with this verse from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. And it says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. Now listen, this is where the rubber meets the road. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore you, support you, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. God's plan for your life will include difficulty. But can you look at that struggle and recognize this pain has a purpose? And this purpose will lead me to God's promise. Let's pray, church. God, would you bless our minds and our hearts with the confidence that is in you? that you are good, that you are loving, that you are powerful, that you lead us through difficult places to lead us to the land of the promise. And so it is today that the place where we have anxiety or struggle, we can have faith and trust. And as we learn the lesson that you've been teaching us in this season, we will be prepared for the great things that you have ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with us as we sing?